Angela Bowen here, the host of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. How's everyone doing? We're going to be doing things a little differently. Um, instead of doing one episode, we are doing, I'm doing, <laughs> we, I'm doing um, two episodes a week. They're going to be two separate episodes, not two slammed together because that's going to be three and a half hours of a podcast and I know you guys just uh, that's a bit much but no um I'm gonna do that for the rest of season three and we'll see what happens come season four so all right the first one we have up is season three episode two called fighting city hall which aired on November 13th 1987 Punky and Henry campaigned to turn an empty field into a city park, but Henry's fear of public speaking gets the best of them. I mean, that's a great idea. I mean, as long as it's not being, the land isn't being bought by someone else who's probably going to turn it into a restaurant or some other thing. Because it seems like whenever I go out, Every strip stretch of land is lately just being bought up to be made into a restaurant or a something something. Just, it's like, we have to use every bit of land to put something there. Why? I don't understand. It's all about the money, I guess. So we're going to be doing Fighting City Hall, and the next episode I will be doing, um is going to be The Matchmaker, which is Season 3, Episode 13, which aired on November 13th, also 1987. And this episode, Punky sets Henry up with the school librarian while Mrs. Johnson goes on a dating game show. Apparently, Punky and Cherry think, you know, Henry and Betty need to get out there and start dating. Cherry... Betty is a registered nurse. She's on call. When does she have time to date? Seriously, she never would have the time. So that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing. Um, I'm going to be doing two episodes and just releasing them on the same day. So, Or maybe I might release them a couple days apart. It just depends. I do want to give a quick little shout out to Jared Jones who uh, shared the Punky Power on unofficial Punky Brewster podcast posts about National Pet Day. It was a dog day. I think it was National Dog Day. Let me see. Hold on. Let me go back here. I know it was a recent post, too. It was National Pet Day. All right. Because I put Happy National Pet Day to Punky and Brandon. Or, I think the dog that played Brandon's actual name was Sandy. And I think Sandy had a brother that every once in a while would kind of help out with the scenes. I also want to throw an R.I.P. out there to Harry Anderson from Night Court. Um, My husband Jeremy really enjoyed Night, uh, um, Night Court. And I think it might have reruns on Laugh, on the Laugh channel. And he kind of got me into uh, watching that a little bit, so. Before I get into the episode, I just want to let you guys know, if you're new to the podcast, I have a couple places you can go hang out, comment about the show. Uh, Facebook has the Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast 
page. And Instagram, also the Punky Power Podcast. And Twitter as well. It's pretty much everything that goes on Twitter is going to come straight. Hey, Quinn. Um, Quinn just came upstairs. And Twitter, everything that's on Twitter is basically straight from Instagram. So that's pretty much all I have to do with Instagram or uh, <laughs> Twitter. I think I mentioned in the, in the last couple episodes, and I think it was the Best Friends episode that, <clears throat> or maybe it was just this last one, that the channel on YouTube that was doing the Punky Brewster episodes, um, that's where I got those YouTube comments from, and I really enjoyed, you know, just giving off what other people say about the episodes and everything, and that channel had been up for a while that I can think of, and then I just went there one day, and I'm like, well, wait, where, where is it? it clearly, YouTube took it down, which sucks, because I loved those comments. It was really cool. I really enjoyed what people had to say about the show, looking back on it and everything. And just so you know, just because I'm going to be hopefully doing two episodes a week doesn't mean that I'm doing it just to really burn through it too much. It's just, um, you know, I'm going to treat the episodes like I treat any individual episode with, with the respect and the love that I give all of them. Regardless of, you know, if some may not to me may not be as great as some others, it still doesn't matter. I just, like you guys know, I love the show and... There are, you know, other things coming down the pike that I want to do. Um, I mentioned the Silver Spoons podcast that it's only going to be season one because that's all they released on DVD. I really wish they would release more on DVD because a lot of older shows are being released, you know, their seasons of shows are being released. It's like, get Silver Spoons on there, finish that up. And, and who's the boss? That's another one I'm thinking of doing just season one because that's all I have. Um, another one I'm also thinking of doing is The Torkelsons, which that was a short-lived show. Oh, Quinn, why are you chewing on my microphone wire? Don't do that, okay, girl? And eh, she's not listening. She doesn't care. Um... The Torkelsons ran for 20 episodes, and then it was canceled, transitioned, and, and then it was picked up again, transitioned into Almost Home, which only lasted for 13 episodes. So that's going to be, you know, a short one, but I just thought it's cute. I love the characters. You know, um, Connie Ray plays Millicent Torkelson, who is a hardworking single mother trying to make ends meet for her five children which later transitions into three kids, Stephen Floyd and um, Ruth Ann. I don't know where they go. I take it they go back with the, the, sing, the, the dad that made a couple appearances. But I'll get more on that when, you know, the time comes, and I'll let you guys kind of see how I'm going to be doing that one. But without further ado, let's get into Fighting City Hall. Alright, so we open up the episode in the living room, and from outside the apartment just before, we hear opera mu music. I'm like, okay, so Henry's clearly listening to opera music, doing something. He's watching the opera on the television. 
So I didn't say this in the Metamorphosis episode because I'm not really noticing it, but um, I guess all these episodes aren't always directed by the same person. Um, the Metamorphosis episode was directed by a woman named Judy Elterman, and she actually directed not just the Metamorphosis, but in season four she directed Brandon's commercial and passed away at Punky Place. The person that directed Fighting City Hall is Joni Rhodes. And I looked, and this is the only episode of Punky Brewster that she has directed. But Joni Rhodes also was a second unit director or assistant director in uh, two episodes of Amen. Uh, Where's Rodney, which was like a TV movie, which did have Soleil Moonfry. It, I thought it was like... It looked like a pilot for a TV show, and it just didn't take off. Uh, she directed four episodes of a show called Rocky Road. She directed two episodes of Different Strokes. Well, I'm sorry, guys. Associate director. I'm sorry. Um, also, Who's the Boss, which I plan to cover the first season of that down the road. It's Your Move, under, uh, episode three episodes of The Jeffersons. CPO Sharkney. I've not heard of that show, but she was an assistant director, second unit director, or assistant director on that show. So that's that's interesting. You know, it's like, now that we're getting close to the end of, you know, season three and everything, it's just I don't really pick up on these things all the time. Usually it seems like Gary Mentor is, uh, usually tends to be the director for a lot of these. But it's kind of fun. When I notice these things, it's like, okay, it almost gives you a different, um, way to look at it. I love how Henry, I think George Gaines, who plays Henry, also is really big in the opera. Because I love how he gets, Henry gets so into the performances, just kind of, uh, you know, mouthing the words and just the actions and everything. It's almost like he wishes that he could be on stage and singing opera and stuff. I mean, we've heard him. We've heard him. Remember in season one with uh, Punky in the music business? Or Play It Again Punky? Yeah. Just Say Cheese? <laughs> That is the largest television remote I have ever seen in my life. It's like he's holding a brick. So a knock at the door interrupts Henry as he sings, Who is it? Or something. He doesn't. Something like that. Uh, it's Punky and possibly Cherry. And you're saying, hey, our hands are full. Uh, we can't open the door. Can you help us? Looks like they got all their baseball equipment. They've been playing baseball. Oh, my gosh. The glove that Brandon is holding has um, multicolored, um, like, there's lavender, sky blue, and lime green kind of um, part leather uh, pieces to it. It's really, that's Punky's, you know that's Punky's baseball mitt. And Brandon's wearing a Chicago Cubs cap. That's cute. So the girls are loaded down with all type of ba baseball equipment, and they look beyond filthy like they found a mud pit and just laid down in it and tried to make snow angels. Uh, where? <laughs> what? How are you so dirty? 
So Punky looks at the TV and she's like, what are you watching? Well, does he just have the volume off? I thought he turned the television off. It's not like you can pause live TV back then. And Punky, you've known Henry for over two years now. You know he loves his opera. Why do you even have to ask what he's watching? You should know. So Punky asks what it is, and Henry's like, Goddamn Via or something. And Punky looks at him like, Henry, if I said that, you'd wash my mouth out with soap. I never had my mouth washed out, washed out with soap, but I actually witnessed one of my cousins having soap put in their mouth. And let me tell you, that was traumatizing for me to see as I walked past the bathroom. Nowadays, that would probably be straight-up child abuse. I love Cherry's comment, like, we thought you were torturing cats in here. What? So, Punky, of course, now that she's wearing an over-the-shoulder boulder holder, notices the lady on the screen is wearing an iron bra and says, wow, that's got to be cold. Sweetie, it's a breastplate, okay? It's not her chest, bare chest is not up against it. She's got some, like, a shirt or something underneath. So Henry tells her that helps her hit the high notes. He turns the TV off, turns to Punky, finally actually really looking at the girls and asking them, how in the world did you guys get so disgustingly filthy? So Cherry tells him they've been playing baseball in the vacant lot on the corner. And, well, they won, which is awesome, great. What is this vacant lot? That just sounds, it, to me, it sounds like a space between two large buildings that's got a fence and probably some, some needles and trash and what have you just strewn about and uh, beer bottles and whatever. It does not sound like a great place to hang out. But then again, I mean... Maybe, I don't even know if we even get to see this supposed vacant lot. So Cherry mentions how Punky won the game with the last minute catch and she dove through a tire, slid in the mud. Well, that explains her shirt. That explains Punky. How did you get dirty, Cherry? And then Cherry says Punky fell into a trunk of an, an old rusted out Studebaker. So they're playing in a junkyard? <laughs> What? Uh, you gotta be careful with rust. You can get tetanus. So Henry tells her, I don't want you playing in that empty lot. It is dangerous. And uh, yes, it is. Falling into a trunk of a dirty, rusty, run-down vehicle that could have had uh, exposed, you know, jagged pieces on it and could have impaled you or scratched you and then you'd be having to go to the emergency room for a tetanus shot. Oh my goodness, Punky, you gotta be careful. You could get locked jaw. Alright, guys, I'm gonna play this clip. How did you girls get so filthy? We were playing baseball in the vacant lot on the corner, and we won. Nobody won, except maybe New Blue Cheer. Punky made the game winning catch. Spud hit a high fly to deep left. Punky leaped over the tractor tire, slid through a mud puddle, and speared it one hand just before she fell into a trunk of old rusted out Studebaker. 
don't want you playing in that empty lot. It's dangerous. But it's the only place around here. It's either that or play in the street. Why don't you play in the park? The closest park is five miles away. Hey, what if they turn that vacant lot into a park? <laughs> Punky, it's not that simple. It takes a politician to make a park. Why don't we hire President Carter? He needs a job. <laughs> That's not the way it works. First, we have to draft a citizen's petition. Too bad. I'm too young and you're too old. For what? For the draft. <laughs> That's not what I meant. First, we make a request for the park. Then we choose a spokesperson to present it to the city council. But who's going to be the spokesperson? Oh, we'll ask Mrs. Johnson. She has a loud mouth. <laughs> I mean, she's very articulate. She can't. She's on the emergency call for the hospital this month. In fact, I'm the emergency call for the kitchen. I have to make her dinner. Bye! Well, Henry, I guess that leaves it up to you. Leaves what up to me? Speak to the council. Oh, sorry, I can't. Why not? I have to photograph the... Halley's Comet. But Halley's Comet won't be back for another 75 years. A good photographer prepares. Henry, something tells me that you're not telling me something. Sit down, Peggy. I have to reveal something that may come as a big shock to you. What is it? Uh, I am not perfect. <laughs> no! Yes, I have faults. Just kidding. I 
So Henry pretty much he asks, you know, why guys, why can't you guys play at the park? And Cherry's like, well, the no closest park is five miles away. Um, okay, let's let's think here. Remember, whoopsie, remember the episode Baby Buddies from season two? How Betty took the girls and the baby that they had to the park? Did they walk those five miles? I. That there's gotta be a park nearby. Not to mention, wouldn't it be cooler if, say, Punky could get on a baseball league or join a team or something? I mean, yeah, it's cool to throw the ball around and stuff like that, but I, I don't know. That's just my kind of, that's my take on it. So, Punky comes up with this very interesting idea of, hey, maybe we can turn that vacant lot into a park. And Henry, right away, he's like, you know, it does take quite a bit of effort to be able to turn a lot into a park. And, you know, you need someone, you know, a, a congressman or someone, or, no, he said a politician. I'm not sure all the ins and outs when it comes to turning a, um, a vacant lot into a park and stuff, but I'm pretty sure you need, like, petitions and... You know, with signatures and a lot of other things. Probably it'd be best if you knew somebody that worked in that general department that makes those decisions. So, Punky then suggests, like, hey, why don't we voice our opinion at the town hall, city hall meeting that's coming up? And she's like, Henry, you can speak on our behalf. And... Well, Henry's like, well, no, not me. What, what about Betty? You know, Betty's got a loud mouth. <laughs> She's very good at uh, talking and stuff. And Cherry's like, she can't do it. She's on emergency call for the whole month for the hospital. And then, of course, Cherry realizes, oh, I'm emergency. I got to go home and cook. I got to go cook dinner for Grandma. So she leaves. And then Henry's like, you know, I can't. I can't do it. I can't talk for the city council and everything like that in front of them. And he starts making excuses like, oh, I got to photograph Haley's comment, which Punky's like, that's not going to be around for another 75 years. She does make a joke about President Carter. Like, oh, let's get him to do it. He's not doing anything right now. That sounds like a joke, clearly, that an adult adult wrote. Um, I mean, yeah, adults are the ones writing the scripts for the show, but it clearly was pegged in as a period reference. Like, yeah, I didn't really find it funny. I don't find it funny coming out of Punky's mouth. I mean, why would she care about someone who's not even president at the moment not doing anything, or if he isn't? Another thing is um, something about she brings up uh, the draft, or... Henry does, and she's like, well, I'm too young and you're too old. Well, he didn't mean that kind of draft, of course, but... I don't know, guys, I'm probably nitpicking just a smidge. But then Henry tells her there is something about him that she doesn't know, and Punky lists, well, you're tight with a buck, you're grumpy, and there's one other thing. Man, she's really on that whole President Carter. Why don't we hire him? He needs a job. And then uh, Punky and Cherry kind of slap hands. Like, 
And Brandon Barks, it's like they kind of made that joke more than, uh, it really didn't land. Come on. Since when does Punky make president jokes? Oh, the draft thing comes up when he says, all right, we'll draft a citizen's petition. And that's when Punky brings up the whole thing about, well, you're too old and I'm too young for the draft. It's like, not that kind of draft, sweetie. So he says, you'll have to reveal something to you that may come as a complete shock. And she's like, oh my gosh, what is it? He's like, I'm not perfect. Well, yeah, nobody's perfect. That's not a flaw. So she lists his traits about being grumpy, absent-minded, and tight with a buck. Well, we've known that since season one, that Henry's grumpy. We've certainly known that he is tight with his money. Absent-minded? Uh, I don't really think he comes off as absent-minded. Eddie was absent-minded, but not Henry. So he reveals the truth that he has an issue with speaking in public, and he gives her an example. When he was in high school, he had to stand up and give, um, read his paper on the American Bald Eagle. And he only got as far as the title because his voice started to go really high, his mouth got dry, he was starting to sweat. That is, I can assure you that there are so many people that probably have issues with public speaking. I remember multiple times in English class, 7th grade, 10th uh, grade, having to get up in front of class and read a paper. Very, very nerve-wracking. Um, one of the things that kind of helped me with the eye contact thing is, like, picking a spot on the wall and kind of staring at that, but also trying to make eye contact with your while you're talking and stuff. But I just remember like going up there. My mouth would get dry. I would start to sweat. And it's like. When you go back to sit in your seat. It's like I feel like I've lost five pounds. And I, I was thin back in high school. Um, But yeah. It's just. It's really nerve wracking. Embarrassing. You don't want to mess up. Stumble over your words. Forget something. Just a lot of people, and, and this is a this isn't a paper that he has to you know for his classmates. This is standing in front of strangers at a city hall town council meeting. So in the next scene, we see Henry at the kitchen table, and Brandon's there showing his moral, giving his moral support. Uh, Henry has got at least three or four crumpled up papers as he's trying to write what he wants to say, which is very good. You want to have something written down, something that's concrete. And I wonder, like, hopefully Punky kind of showed him the vacant lot so he can get an idea of what he's actually going to be defending and stuff like that. And what about rallying, like, the other parents of these kids that need a place to, you know, play? Well... Punky even says, well, we could play in the street. And then, the, no, no, you're not playing in the street. Not in Chicago. No, no, no. I find it hard to believe that the nearest park is five miles away. Are they, like, right in the city of Chicago? Where it's just sidewalk and concrete from one end to the block of the block to the other? I mean, they're able to walk to school in season one. That was, like, a mile or so away. 
how would there not be a park somewhere near where the school is? So Henry looks up from his paper, turns to Brandon and asks, Hey Brandon, do you want to hear the opening of my speech one more time? And Brandon hops off the chair and heads out of the kitchen. He's like, eh, nah, really, I've heard it a thousand times already. No more. So Punky comes into the kitchen. <sighs> Punky comes into the kitchen and sees Henry at the table, asks, you know, how's the speech coming along? And he's like, terrible. My blood pressure's up. Oh, she asks what's up. And he says, my blood pressure. And she's got a book with her. So I'm kind of wondering, is that something she's reading for herself? Or maybe it's something like, here, I have a book of quotes for you. Maybe you can uh, find inspiration in these. Here's another thing. How about, Punky, you want this vacant lot turned into a park so much? Why don't you assist Henry with putting together uh, a platform or, or a format of how you, you know, bring up some points of what it's like playing in this vacant lot and not having, you know, grass under your feet and stuff, what you could benefit from having a park, you know, equipment, it could also not just be used for kids who want to play baseball, but it could also be used for, you know, put a jungle gym there, you know, and tight, you know, swing sets, stuff like that. So it's not just for kids who want to play sports, but it can also be like, it could be a playground also, depending on the space. I don't know how big this vacant lot, lot is because I don't even, we might see it. I, I haven't seen this episode in like, since I was like maybe 14 when it was, you know, um, on cable and I would go and see my mom a couple times a month, um, and Punky Brewster would be on. It, they might have showed it towards the end of the episode, turning it into a park, but we'll see when we get there. So Henry tells her, this is going terrible, and she's like, no, it's not. And he's like, yes, it is. It's boring, even for dogs. And of course, Brandon barks his response like, yes, it's boring. Good girl, Punky! She picked up a book from the library for Henry. That will come in handy. So wait. So I'm going to play this clip here. That's funny. <laughs> but the, the 
does the book say how to handle paralyzing, heart-stopping fear? Yeah, there's a whole chapter. See, here's a cartoon of a guy wearing rubber underwear. <laughs> I'll see you later. Are you going to read the chapter? No, I'm going to order the underwear. So the book that Punky gets, Henry, is what to deal with public speaking for those that are afraid of public speaking. And she says that the book instructs to start off with a joke. And she proceeds to read the joke about a woman who's having an issue with her husband. They go see a psychiatrist. And she says, my husband thinks he's a dog. And the psychiatrist is like, well, here, go sit on the couch. And the wife says, he's not allowed on the couch. That joke makes zero sense. It has nothing to do with turning the vacant lot into a public park. I would not open with that. I, I honestly wouldn't even start with a joke because that just seems just uh, weird. Or if you're going to tell a joke, how about you tell something about children not having a public park to go to to play or something sad like that? Um, um, so Henry's like, um, is there anything in that book about fear of public speaking? Like, um, shortness of breath, um, raging blood pressure, fear, stuff like that. And Punky's like, yeah, there's a whole chapter on it. And she, oh, she just flips the next page. Like, here's a, a cartoon of a guy ordering rubber pants or something like that or wearing rubber pants underwear or something it's like what i thought it was going to be like just picture the audience in their underwear that is the biggest thing you hear when it comes to fear of public speaking it's like a trope the first thing they say oh you're scared of speaking in front of people just picture them in their underwear uh, wow, um, that's creepy. But my work, I don't know. I've never tried it. I that that's never been something that I've thought of when I've gotten up there. My eyes were usually glued to the page that I was reading, and my biggest problem was eye contact. So Henry takes the book and walks out of the kitchen, and Punky turns around like, "Oh, you're gonna read that chapter, right?" And Henry's like, "No, I'm gonna order this underwear." What? Rubber underwear. That is too much information, Henry. Too much. Incontinence. We don't need to hear about it. I'm sure they had adult diapers back then. So now we're moving on to the city council meeting. And we got, in the front row, we got Henry, Punky, Cherry, and some random guy with dark hair. I don't know who he is. Maybe we'll find out. Because Punky's, or uh, Cherry's actually engaging in conversation with the guy, so... So this guy's name that starts speaking at the microphone, his name is Weatherwax. <laughs> That's a cool name. Um, he said, the first thing on the agenda, he's like, are we all in agreement about retirement benefits for city workers? So basically just your average run-of-the-mill stuff. I didn't know that city, well, city workers, okay, I kind of see maybe. But why is that up to a council of people? that get to make that decision 
I mean, I think the workers should be able to have some say. Well, they're in agreement to give that to them, so I don't see anyone disagreeing. So, uh, Cherry's got a little man crush going on with Mr. Weatherwax up there. Like, he is so cute. Well, is that why you wanted to come to this meeting, Cherry? <laughs> Punky turns to Cherry. And at first I thought, because she puts a hand on Cherry's shoulder, and I thought at first she's going to be like, Cherry, focus here. We're turning the vacant lot into a park. That's our main objective. That's our main point. No, she turns to Cherry, puts a hand on her shoulder, and says, Cherry, he's too old for you. He's got to be, like, at least 20. I'd say try 35. And I'm sure he's married. So I want to play this clip real quick. I just think this is so funny. He is so cute. <laughs> Cherry, he's too old. He's got to be at least 20. No wonder he's so interested in retirement benefits. <laughs> so, Cherry adds, well, no wonder he's so concerned. That must be why he's so concerned about retirement benefits. Isn't it funny, like, as a little kid, I thought 30 was old. I thought 25 was old. When you're, like, 10, yeah. Or when you're, like, 6, you're like, wow, that guy's old. He's, like, 20. <laughs> I mean, 20 to them is, like, 50. <laughs> so, the guy in the middle whose name is Heckmeyer, I think, uh, he basically just says, all right, that's enough for the city business, and we're going to open up a panel of discussion for to hear from the residents of Chicago. So Punky tells Henry, like, that's you, Henry. And he's like, I know, my palms, feel, feel my hands, they're sweaty. Oh, he's so nervous. And then um, Weather... Weatherwax says, this will also be televised. And they all, three of them, are getting, you know, one straightened in a tie. The balding glasses man in the middle is kind of straightening, you know, patting his hair down. And this one lady is... This one woman wearing glasses looks like Dustin Hoffman as Tootsie. I've not seen the movie. I know what the cover looks like. She's got a compact mirror out, and she's handing it also to the guy next to her who's also straightening his tie. It's like everyone's like, I gotta look good on TV. It's like they, have they never been, has this never been televised? Because they act like it's the first time this ever this has ever happened. Henry is in full-on freak-out mode by the expression on his face. He is freaked. The idea, I mean, it's one thing to get up and talk in front of these people is nerve-wracking enough, but the fact that it's going to be on television? Oh, my God. So they open the floor for anyone who wants to speak, and this old lady comes up and she said, I... She says she'd like to propose that the sale, uh, the, uh, that the council members get an increase in salary. Clearly, this is somebody's wife, as Beckwith, I tell you, this is his wife, pretty much tells her, honey, sit down. This, just sit down, you're embarrassing me. Wow, I was way off. This is this guy's mother, not his wife. I'm sorry. I, judging by his white hair, I assumed... It was his wife. Wow. My mistake. I'm sorry, Mr. Beckmeyer. 
Wow, I can't get the names right. Beckmeyer, not Beckwith. Gotcha. So he says, sit down, mother. This is not the proper time. She sticks her finger pointing right in his face like, well, when will be the right time? You promised me a snowblower. Like, whoa, lady, um, I'm sure the city doesn't take care of that. She looks like someone who would probably live in a apartment or, I don't know, a house. Why is the, the son not doing this? <laughs> so, Beckmeyer is like, anyone else want to speak, please? He's like, motioning for his mother to sit down. I want to play this lady's clip <laughs> because this is just funny. <laughs> writing a proposal of any kind or a basis of which to 
speak from because he looks like he's kind of going off the cuff here. And for someone who is already nervous about public speaking, just trying to speak off the cuff is not going to help matters. I love how he starts. Ladies and counsel of the gentlemen. <laughs> oh, Henry. Uh, right off the gate, he is stumbling. So as he's trying to collect his thoughts, he is twisting his hat between his hands, just wringing it like a washcloth. And Pumpkin's like, Henry, lead him with a joke. Sweetie, that's not going to help him at this point. He is so frazzled. The words will tumble out of his mouth like marbles. <clears throat> so he goes to try to tell that joke that Punky had told him about the psychiatrist and the Schultz couple. And he barely even gets through it. He's like, uh, the Schultz, um, and then he goes about the Schultz, the, the couple, the Schultz is, or the, the couple, uh, the, the psychiatrist, I don't know if, you know, it's a him or, or, or her. Let's call him a him. Let's call him. <laughs> and it's just, the lady is on, um, that's seated up in the front. It's like, Mr. Warnemont, we really don't have time for jokes. Can you please just go on? And he's trying to talk. And his voice, just like in high school, rises three octaves. And Henry just, look, or Punky is watching this like, oh, God. Or one shot down the drain. Oh. And <laughs> then Henry is turning to Punky like, I, I can't do this. The guy, he reminds me of the bald eagle. It's just like it was back in high school. And then he even goes so far as to say, Mr. Um, bald, <laughs> bald, bald with or something like that. Baldmeyer, and he even goes like, here, can you put this hat on, please? It's like, my God, you're insulting this man. It's finally, Henry's like, can, can I just go to the little councilman's room? And then <laughs> Beckmeyer, or whatever his name is, is like, please, does everyone agree that he should go to the bathroom? And everyone's like, I. And we see Punky, her hand on her head, just like, well, tried. <laughs> I just feel that if Punky's there, why can't she? I, I kind of hope that this goes the route of she goes and she explains about this vacant lot. Yes, she's a child, but we should have children's interests at heart when it comes to these things. They need a place to play and hang out that isn't in the street. And right before Henry leaves to go to the bathroom, it's like his mouth is just opening and closing like he can't even get sound out. He sounds like someone is choking a bald eagle. So now we're back at the apartment and Henry has flattened the heck out of his hat, as we see. He is so dejected. Ugh. Someone who would have to have a forklift to lift his chin off the ground. He is so sad. So, Henry is, like I said, he's feeling dejected. He's feeling really crappy. He tells Punky to cover the mirrors because he doesn't want to look at himself. And Punky's like, you know what, how about you sit down, I will make you some tea, and I'll make you feel better. So, Henry, er, 
Oops, I'm sorry guys. Punky tries to play it off like, hey, it wasn't as bad as you're making it out to be. But Henry's like, oh, my friends saw me on national television making a fool out of myself. So as Punky says, don't worry about it. No one watches the city council stuff. Then the phone rings. Well, I wonder who it is. So I don't know who was on the other end, but Henry picks it up and says, he says, no, this is not the residence of Choke Warnamont. Oh, so that's his nickname now. He's Choke Warnamont. So Punky's like, you know what? You bombed. It was, you know, it and everything, and I know you feel like you let yourself down. You did. And he kind of looks at her like, okay, that doesn't help me. She's like, oh, by the way, turns out this worked after all. While you were going to the bathroom, I made the speech. Why didn't we get to see it? I would have loved to have seen the speech. So we get cheated out of it? That's not fair. Joni, Mitch, Joni... Rhodes, or whoever directed this episode, why didn't we get to see the speech? I want an answer. Well, of course they loved you, Punky. You're a people pleaser. People love enthusiasm. And she's got buckets of it. So Punky's like, isn't that great? And he stands up and he's really gruff, like, oh, I'm very happy for you. Like, whoa. She's only doing what you couldn't do. Someone had to get the job done. So... Henry turns to go to the kitchen, and Punky's like, you know, I can't wait until next week. He's like, next week? <laughs> what about next week? And she's like, that's when they'll give us approval on the park, after I make my speech. She's very confident for herself. I mean, that's great, but what if they shoot you down? So he's like, oh, you're going to write a speech. And she's like, nah, I'll just wing it. And the look Henry Hands on his face, like, and then she's like, she tells him, don't worry, everyone's going to forget your speech by next week, don't worry about it. If he shows his face at another council meeting, they're going to laugh at him. So Punky, Punky heads off to bed, and Henry goes to close the curtain, and out the window we hear, hey, it's Choke Warnemont, speech, speech. And then Henry quickly closes the curtain, and he turns around like, <gasps> he's got this panicked look on his face, like, oh my god, I will never live this down. So in the next scene, we are at the council meeting again, and we see uh, Weatherwax, Cherry's crush. Uh, he says that the extra traffic lights will save lives, and of course, Cherry is all up in arms, standing up, clapping away, like, yes, way to go! And Punky's like, Cherry, please, sit down. You're embarrassing us both. So Henry leans down to Punky and says, I'm not saying one word. And she just pats his arm and says, don't worry about it, we're just going to get the good news and celebrate at home. I'm getting the impression maybe she's celebrating a little too early and getting her hopes up. But, like I said, I have not seen this episode in over 22 years, so I can't remember the outcome. And Mr. Beckmeyer's mother stands up again, asking about her snowblower. Everyone on the panel is like, sit down, Mrs. Beckmeyer. Please, why are you here? 
Now, Mr. Weatherwax calls to order the next item, the next agenda on the agenda, and that is the vacant lot on the corner of on the corner of Pierce and Pulaski Street. They might be real streets in Chicago. I'm not sure. And of course, uh, Punky is standing up like, hey, that's us. All right, give us the good news. When do we start uh, construction on it? I told you, Punky, I told you, uh, you should not have been celebrating too early because she's excited. She's like, when do we start laying down grass and putting the bases down and everything? And the lady's like, um, says to her, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but unfortunately somebody else has already laid claim to that property. Boy, oh boy, Punky very deflated. Just her enthusiasm just like a balloon is deflated. Who is this guy? Where did he come from? Why was he not here? He probably, maybe he was in the back row of that last meeting. Or maybe he just snatched it up and came to the town hall, the the council meeting to make his voice heard. Because this guy's clearly got money. He's wearing a suit and a tie of some kind. Oh my god. What? Okay, I am looking at this tie. It's black with white stripes. And I'm trying to figure out, is that a naked woman on his tie? I gotta inspect this further. This is a children's show, by the way. So, I'm guessing this guy wants to make a little mini apartments department store or a extra parking lot. I'm not sure. But it's kind of funny because we get a shot of the apartment back home and Brandon is on the TV, on the couch watching the TV. So, of course, you know, this is televised. And he's wearing that Cubs hat. Oh. I want to play the clip of uh, when Punky is excited. She thinks she's getting approved, but turns out she's not. I'll be right back. And so, I feel the extra traffic lights will save lives and benefit the entire community. Yeah! Way to go! Way to go! Sherry, put a quirky next. Now remember, Punky, I'm not going to say one word. You don't have to. We're just going to get the good news, go home, and celebrate. Now next on the agenda... Listen, what about my snowblower? Sit down, Mrs. McMire. Next order of business is the vacant lot on the corner of Pierce and Pulaski Streets. That's us. So when do we start growing grass and putting down the bases? Uh, we appreciate your enthusiasm, Miss Brewster, and we are considering your petition for a park. However, there's another fine citizen of Chicago who's been working very hard on his own plans for this lot, and we've agreed to let him voice his point of views too. That's the democratic way. Yeah, I guess. That's a good attitude. Mr. Arnold? Oh, thank you. I hope the council's had a chance to read our land use and uh, development study. Uh, we certainly have, Mr. Arnold. Well, good. The General Kasmir Pulaski Memorial Shopping Center, honoring that famous Polish-American patriot, uh, has been meticulously planned. Kasmir would have been proud. Kashmir? I think he's the guy that invented sweaters. And now, if I may, I'd like to remind the council that 
I'm paying the city well over appraised value for that lot. Plus, all those wonderful taxes when we open. Thank you very much for your valuable time. Oh, and uh, please uh, enjoy those free Casper coupon books. Uh, is the council ready for a vote? Good. Now, all those in favor of the Casimir Pulaski Memorial Shopping Center? Aye. Opposed? Me. Wait a minute here. What about our park? When do we vote for that? Ms. Brewster, we must think about the economics. Now, a shopping center will generate jobs and revenue. A park will generate grass and weeds. But we must consider the highest and best use of this land. What do you mean, highest and best use? You promised us a park. Yeah. I'm sorry, but the council has voted. So it looks like what they plan to do with this vacant lot area is turn it into... A little mini mall department store something or other and it's just like I I understand I mean how the council would see that as you're bringing in jobs and revenue and money putting money back into the system and everything like that this guy kind of just sounds kind of like a creep like your everyday more money, more blah, 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 blah. Okay, so this guy is planning to pay over what the actual normal amount he's going to overpay for that lot, okay? This guy is buying the vote for this because he gave those council members up there coupon books for the General Cashmere Memorial Shopping Center. How big is this lot? And you can tell he's a slime ball because he's got rings on the fingers. Like, yeah, that's your typical slime ball attire. So the Casimir Pulaski Shopping Center area, and they get ready pretty much to vote on it. And Punky's like, well, wait a minute. You guys promised me a park. Yeah, that's what she came home the other day saying. It's like, while you were in, in the bathroom, Henry, I got them to approve. Well, I don't think they approved approved it. They just probably said, well, we'll bring this up at the meeting and we can talk, you know, discuss it and have everyone else's say. They're not just going to say, sure, kid, we'll let you have that space and you can build your park. That's not how that goes. And this lady, I mean, I guess I can get a little where she's coming from. It's like, yeah, we must think of the economics. Punky doesn't get all that she just you know she wants a park where she and her friends can play and not get injured because of broken glass and rusted out cars and everything and this uh barnes mrs barnes or ms barnes is just like a shopping center will generate you know revenue and jobs and this and that that's not punky doesn't care that's not important to her that's not that stuff isn't important to a kid and henry is gonna finally stand up has no issues, no stuttering, no nothing. He stands up for his daughter in Cherry and just says, So as Beckmeyer was going to say, 
you know, bang the gavel, make everything official, Henry stops him and says, I have something to say. And, of course, Beckmeyer's like, uh, it's right down the hall. No, guy, he's not asking about the bathroom. He's looking out for the best interest of his daughter and her friend and other children that need a place to play. Not in the street. Yeah, that, well, Henry's like, you know, I want to say something, if not to you, then to the other citizens of Chicago. And it's just like, unless, of course, this is your own little private club, it's like, because they haven't included the citizens of Chicago on whether or not they want that space to be a shopping center. I thought that's why they have a city council to get the people that live there in the city to get their input to decide on how to vote on things. So I like how Henry opens this. He's like, I learned a horrifying fact that my child has been playing in an area that is unsafe, playing baseball, sliding into broken glass, falling into a trunk of a Studebaker, and, you know, and Punky and Cherry just kind of look at each other in surprise, like, wow, Henry, look at him go. And, um, you know, he's really fighting for them, and, you know, not just Punky and Cherry, but other kids that need a place to play, play sports, play something. And he tells them, like, all right, uh, everybody, when you drive through Ma down Main Street or down, you know, in our neighborhood, what do you see? That man's sign all over the place. And he says uh, something about chicken. So he mentions about that guy's signs being all over, featuring coming soon, a new shopping center with chicken on stick, chicken on fire, and chicken all night. Um, okay, a shopping center that would have other businesses, right? That's what a shopping center is. Or is it just one big store? So what's with the whole chicken thing? Is that how you're bringing people in? I mean, this is no KFC, I tell you, this is no KFC. And I love this here as Cherry turns to Punky and says, what got into your dad? See, I like that. I just, I think that it, it's as cool as it, as it is to hear Cherry call Henry Punky's dad. It's a little, it takes getting used to because season one and two, he's been Henry. He's still Henry. She doesn't. Punky doesn't call Henry dad. She'll refer to him as her father to other people, but... So Henry pretty much, uh... Tells everyone, it's like... He plays on... The frustrations of shopping centers all over the place. Means traffic, trash, noise, all of this stuff. I love that they're... He's basically projecting exactly what... They want to hear their frustrations. He's pretty much just uh, making it all out in the open. So basically anything that they would find frustrating, he's going to play upon in order to get Punky and Sherry and every other child in that neighborhood a place to play. Oh, he even mentions the extra crime. Oh, yeah, you got those uh, loiterers and other things. So he, he's really getting comfortable, like, in his skin and being able, now that he's 
got him past the fear and everything. He's really, really amping it up. Like, give me the sounds of children, of grass growing, of sun shining, of trees blowing in the leaves, blowing in the breeze, and birds nesting and everything. And everyone's, they are eating it up. They love, this is what they want to hear. So, um... Basically, the Beckwith says, we appreciate your comments. We will take them into consideration. And next week, Beckwith's mother gets up and says, no, we let's take this to a vote. And everyone jumps up. Well, they're already standing and cheering. They're like, vote, 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 vote. And finally, he's like, all right, we'll put it to a vote. It's unanimous. You, you know what? They even had the guy that's sitting with the opposing, you know, the guy that wants a shopping center, the, his lackey or whatever he is to him, he was even cheering. He, he liked it until the other guy pulled him down. So that's awesome. Guys, I want to play you this clip. I love George Gaines does amazing. I just, he is his booming, commanding voice. It's just so great to listen to. So I'm going to play that clip. I'll be right back. I hereby declare... Hold it. I have something to say. It's right down the hall. <laughs> I have something to say, and I'm going to say it, if not to the council, then to the concerned citizens of Chicago. Unless you consider this to be your own private club, sir. Well, of course not. Every citizen in Chicago is entitled to express an opinion. <laughs> In the last few weeks, I made a disturbing discovery. I found out that my daughter is an underprivileged child. She is deprived of her God-given right to play shortstop without sliding into broken glass or into a rusty Studebaker. I invite any one of you to drive through our neighborhood. What will you find on every corner? This man's sign. Coming soon, another Minimart, courtesy of Arnold, featuring chicken on a stick, chicken on fire, chicken all night. What got into your dad? I don't know, but it sure isn't chicken. Folks, we're swamped with shopping centers, aren't we? And the traffic that comes with them, right? Right. You've had it up to here with the extra trash, the extra noise, and the extra crime. Let this council know. Give me the sights and sounds of children playing. Show me grass and flowers blooming. Let me hear the songs of birds nesting in the trees. Friends. It's time that we stop thinking that the highest and best use of Chicago real estate is filling your pockets. It is time to fill our souls. Yeah! Uh, sir, we will take your comments under advisement. And uh, certainly by next week, we will have... Let's take it to a vote. of Pulaski Park. Aye. Opposed? <laughs> Motion carried. Miss Brewster, you can start oiling up your baseball glove. Yeah!
So even Brandon watching this at home on the couch is getting into the whole thing with him voting and then celebrating. He is loving this. Like, yes, I want to get out there and I want to run with the kids in the baseball field. <laughs> I want to play this clip of Punky congratulating Henry on his speech. Like, that was amazing. Henry, you were great. And he's kind of surprised. Like, it just... It's almost like something took over him, and it's finally, like, the energy and everything and positivity is worn off, and it's, he, he's just realizing, wow, I did do that, didn't I? So that's pretty much the end of the episode. I thought we got to see them, like, putting the park together and everything. We don't get to even see that. We didn't even get to see Punky's speech. That's not fair, guys. I'm... <laughs> Those are my two that I am knocking off, then. That is unfair. I wanted to see this park be put together and finished. Granted, it would have taken time, but I wanted to see the end result. Um... So my Brandon Tailwig episode of the ra uh, episode rating is going to be three out of five Brandon Tailwigs. I just told you why I knocked two off, but what I liked about it was I liked Henry's speech at the end. That was awesome. I like um, Punky standing up for herself, and then Henry, of course, standing up for his daughter and uh, uh, and also in service of other children that need a park. I really liked, um, that, I like Brandon when he kind of kept Henry company and at the table while he's writing a speech, and then, of course, Punky came in with that book, and that was just, that was pretty much it. Um, as far as for Punky's principles, I'd say, um, just... There are techniques out there for people that have fear of public speaking. Um, like I said, when how I I just kind of focused on a spot on the wall, but still managed to try to make eye contact occasionally, and not just be looking at whatever you know I was reading from, whether it was note cards or a paper or something like that, because it is frightening at first but once you start to really get into it and everything like that I think that fear starts to go away so for next week the next two episodes I am going to focus on are The Matchmaker which aired on November 13th 1987 Punky sets up Henry with a school librarian while Mrs. Johnson goes on a dating game show And also, later next week will be Season 3, Episode 14, entitled My Fair Punky, which aired on November 16th, 1987. Punky tries to fit in at a high society banquet. Alright, let's say a warm welcome to some new and regular Punky Peep listeners of the week. We have Eagle River, Arkansas, Bakersfield, California, Republic of Korea, C Seoul S E O U L Encino, California, 
Dickinson, North Dakota, San Francisco, California, Staunton, Illinois, Oakland, California, Temecula, California, Mountain View, California, a lot of California, Troy, Michigan, Centerville, Maryland, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Pampano Beach, Florida, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Franklin, Tennessee, Sunderland, Massachusetts, Mesa, Arizona, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Greenville, North Carolina, Meridia, Mexico, Lille, L-I-L-L-E, France, St. Paul, Minnesota, Pinehurst, North Carolina, Monroeville, Pennsylvania, Fredericton, Canada, Wichita, Kansas, Graysonville, Maryland, Orchard Park, New York, Wal Walthamstow, United Kingdom, and Corum, New York. Everybody, I am sorry if I mispronounced the city you live in. Accept my apologies. All right. That being said, everyone have a wonderful rest of the week, and I will be back on this weekend with if, with <laughs> the matchmaker. Okay. Bye-bye, <laughs> everybody.